My name is Phil Stinson. I'm an assistant professor of criminal justice at Bowling Green State University, and I'm joined by my colleague John Lederbach, and we're going to discuss a study we conducted recently on off-duty crime by police officers. John, I'm going to ask you to discuss the background of the study, and then I will talk a bit about the methods and some of our findings, and then together we'll discuss the findings in the context of the literature. Essentially, there's a couple things that um, provide a background or a context to our research the issue of off-duty misconduct by police is important to police agencies primarily because they're on the hook for civil liability. And so departments know that off-duty misconduct and crimes by their officers have costs for the organization. So the issue is important for police executives and practitioners. At the same time, there's been somewhat of a scholarly debate about police misconduct and what kinds of crimes or types of misconduct should be quote-unquote counted there's one side of the argument that says off-duty misconduct and crime shouldn't really be counted as police crimes because officers are not technically on the job when they commit this type of misconduct. The other side of the debate, and the one that I think is starting to um, sway opinion, is that officers, uh, whether they're on or off-duty technically, are really police officers, and, and much of the misconduct that occurs involves their position as police officers. And so this scholarly debate has been going on in the literature for a couple decades. We do have some data on off-duty misconduct and some scholarship. The problem with that uh, scholarship is that it's been limited largely to um, the misconduct, off-duty misconduct of New York City police officers and a data set used by Fife and Kane and Kane and White. And so they've come to some conclusions about New York City Police Department officers and their misconduct, but it's difficult to generalize that data. So we have uh, limited data on off-duty misconduct, an ongoing debate among scholars about what counts and doesn't count as police misconduct in terms of duty status, and police agencies who, irregardless of the scholarly debate, have been found to be liable for some of the actions and misconduct and crimes committed by police while they're technically off-duty. So, so that's the background and the justification for our research. In terms of the methods with the specific study, the primary information source for the study was the Google News search engine and Google Alerts. We set up 48 or so specific Google Alerts that constantly crawl the Google News search engine. When there are articles that are found that hit on our search terms, we get an email and then we take a look at the articles to see if they are relevant for what we are looking for and then ultimately the articles are printed out, archived and logged in and coded for our study. So in the end this was part of a larger study on police crime where we had 2,119 arrest cases of police officers who worked for non-federal law enforcement agencies in all 50 states in the District of Columbia, so everywhere around the country, not limited to one geographic area. And for this study, there were 1,126, so 1,126 cases of officers who were arrested for crimes that were committed while they were off duty during the years 2005, 2006, and 2007. One of the things we specifically looked at in this study was we took note of Fife and Kane's remark in their 
2006 NIJ report that it's very difficult to draw a bright line between off-duty and on-duty crimes and whether one's related to their job or not. In an effort to take a closer look at these off-duty versus on-duty crimes and whether they're police crime or not, we went back and looked at case law from the federal courts where courts had looked at 1983 litigation, that is civil rights litigation where someone is sued in their official capacity for violating someone's uh, federally protected uh, rights under the color of state or local law. So it's a lot of case law that's developed over the years and we wanted to see if we could get any guidance there. And it turns out that there are a number of factors that the courts regularly consider in this type of litigation when they're looking at the off-duty misconduct of police officers that, and where that's given the basis for the litigation in federal court. And the court has to make a determination as to whether the off-duty conduct by the officer was done in their official capacity. So there are a number of factors that the courts have considered in determining whether it's official capacity action or not. So some of those are whether the officer identified themselves as a police officer, whether at the time of the off-duty misconduct the officer was wearing a police uniform, whether they displayed their service weapon or some other type of police weapon, whether they displayed a badge, whether they conducted an off-duty search, that type of thing. And we also looked at whether the jurisdiction where the officer was employed had some sort of municipal ordinance that deemed the officers to be on duty for 24 hours a day. In other words, whether they had a requirement that they had to be prepared to respond in an emergency or when they're called back to work for some reason, regardless for whether they were on duty or not. I think overall, um, in the big picture, we should note that from the context of the news searches, we could tell whether they were on or off duty clearly in some cases. So these were cases where the officer was off duty and we were trying to determine if they were acting in their official capacity in some way. We had some interesting findings in this study in relation to looking at the issue of whether certain offenses were more likely to be committed by an officer who was off duty versus an officer who was on duty. And in terms of the crimes that are more likely to have been committed while an officer was off duty, they include simple assault, an aggravated assault, driving under the influence, other liquor violations, and some specific sex offenses, specifically including statutory rape, pornography charges, and obscenity. Alcohol-related crimes were more likely to be committed by an off-duty officer rather than an on-duty officer. Now, on the other hand, there were a number of crimes that were more likely to be committed by officers who were on duty, and those include any profit-motivated crime and drug-related crimes. And then overall, sex offenses uh, or sex crimes were more likely to be committed by an officer who was on duty and slightly more than half of the sex crimes in the cases we studied here were for cases where the crimes occurred while the officer was on duty. We did have one interesting null finding and that is the association between crimes that are violence related and duty status was not significant. In other words, the crimes for which police officers were arrested are violent both on duty and violent off duty. So violence seems to cross over without regard for duty status. In terms of the official capacity measures, about 16% of the arrest cases involved at least one measure designed to indicate that the officer was acting in their official capacity when they were committing their crime. So that's 16% of all the off duty crimes. 
So about one in five or almost one in five of the officers that were technically off duty actually exhibited at least one factor that indicated they were acting like an on-duty police officer. So that suggests that that line between on and off duty, at least for a portion of the cases, is difficult to draw and almost impossible to draw. In about 10% of the off-duty cases, an officer displayed an official weapon. Also, over 7% of the cases, officers identified themselves as a police officer during the commission of their off-duty crime. So for those cases, it's going to be difficult for someone to come to the conclusion that those officers are technically not cops because they're off-duty when they're wearing a uniform or displaying a, a gun. Yep. Uh, in the capacity of a police officer. Yep. We also had numerous instances where officers during the commission of their off-duty crimes displayed their police badge and a number of cases where they were actually in uniform when they committed their crime off-duty. When we look at these findings, think of them in the context of the bigger picture, there are some things that are worthy of discussion. So I think that uh, the bigger picture does involve a couple of points to consider. We began with the problem that a lot of the data, existing data on off-duty misconduct was from New York City and New York City alone. I think one of the things that our study suggests is uh, the generalizability of some forms of off-duty misconduct beyond New York City and actually to agencies across the country. We found over 1,100 cases of off-duty misconduct from officers that were employed in all kinds of agencies across the country two things kind of stood out that were in common with what was found in New York City about the off-duty misconduct of officers. Alcohol and the misuse of firearms kind of crossed the lines and stood out as a type of behavior or a factor that occurs off-duty with police officers, uh, not only in New York City, but, but those across the country. And those are two things that could serve as an impetus for policy discussions that officers off-duty have problems with alcohol intoxication and they sometimes misuse their firearms. Those are things that police agencies can identify and concentrate on within their own agencies when they're concerned about the problem of off-duty misconduct and crime. A couple of other things I think that stand out are the fact that officers who commit crimes and are arrested seem to be as likely to be on duty as they are off duty. It's a null finding, but it's important because it suggests that violent crimes committed by police officers cross the border between on and off duty. It's almost silly to discuss the bright line or line between on and off duty when violent crimes are going to put the agency on the hook for the misbehavior of their officers. And so in terms of implications, I mean, a, a department is going to be concerned whether an officer commits a violent crime, whether it's on or off duty. Um, and that's not something that just occurs on duty. It seems to bleed over to off-duty misconduct. I think another point uh, in the big picture is in regard to our measure of official capacity. Again, some of these crimes are easy to discern whether they're on or off duty. The question is whether some forms of off-duty misconduct should be considered on duty. We used a unique measure, and we're unaware of any other social science research that uses that measure of official capacity. You can take cases that are off-duty and examine them further in terms of some objective criteria to try to see to what degree those officers are really on duty. 
we found that 16% of those cases, officers that were technically off-duty were exhibiting some or several factors that indicated that they were really acting in their official capacity. In the big picture, I think what this means is it provides further evidence of the fallacy that we can actually separate on and off-duty misconduct. I don't think it makes any sense. I think that what makes more sense is to include it all and to examine the off-duty misconduct with the on-duty misconduct because I think they're more alike, more similar than they are dissimilar, and it's very difficult, especially um, in terms of police work, to separate the two. And I think that if you look at the issue closely of the misuse of firearms, the fact that weapons were involved in so many of these off-duty crimes, and you couple that with alcohol intoxication, it really is startling. And those are two areas that we're looking at now in, in further studies with our larger data set, crimes involving officers who were intoxicated and crimes involving weapons, because they seem to permeate so many of the cases that we've looked at, and we've now looked at thousands of these cases, so that's something that we continue to look at those areas and we're really concerned about. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening.